Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 86. Kevin Miller episode, the toughness episode. This is going to be a gritty, tough, injured for half the season kind of episode. That's what this is going to be like. Uh, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, and we are recording this again before the game against the Blackhawks on Thursday night. I will not predict what happens in the game because I did that on Monday. It didn't, didn't go well. <laughs> didn't go well. People had no problem letting me know in the YouTube comment sections, as I would expect. I said I thought they would win. They actually almost did. And then they, for the third time in four games, gave up a goal with 30 seconds left, which is kind of becoming an issue, which it's not on the docket today, so we're not going to get to it. There's a little, some more fun, important things to talk about. But uh, the, the giving up goals with... 30 seconds left. Not the greatest strategy in the world, I would say. It's not what you're looking for. Um, that's for sure. Uh, it's better to have it happen now in the dog days of winter, early spring, than late spring when the playoffs are uh, are finally here. Um, am I going to hit the panic button? Probably not. I, I'm not really fretting about it too much. Uh, it seems like the Bruins really aren't. They're more or less, uh, you know, I don't think they're taking the, the shit happens approach. That's probably more of what I'm the stance I'm taking, but you know, they, they kind of mentioned with that Kings game, like, yeah, McAvoy maybe should have been inside a bit more, but also was, you know, deflected puck batted down, kind of fell right on more stick. Like again, shit happens. But if it happens again to a team like the Blackhawks, not great, but all in considered, uh, Bruins seven, one and one, I guess could be nine Oh and Oh if they, if something's <laughs> changed there a little bit, but all in considered, they're still chugging along. So hopefully they can kind of put that in the rear view mirror. Yeah, I was doing the unthinkable. I was listening to Felger and Maz the other day, and they were trying to dole out blame for the goal against the Kings in the final minute. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're like, well, Bergeron lost the draw. And I'm like, well, still, I mean, the guy's like 62% on his faceoffs. And you also take into account the fact the puck was deflected and just landed on his stick in front of the net. I mean, like, that's, there's not much you can do to prevent that. Um, but at any rate, uh, this episode is all about the rumors, which is fun, right? This is a the Fleetwood fun Mac the episode. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac episode. Or the Adele episode. Uh, rumor yes. has it. Uh, so lots of rumors today. Uh, and we will start with something you wrote about uh, a couple weeks ago now. Um, about why the Bruins should be hesitant on Brock Besser. Again, Besser's a name who has been thrown around in trade rumors now for what feels like forever. The Bruins have always been a team who was, oh, Besser be a 
perfect fit for. And you uncovered some reasons uh, contractually as well as just overall play that might kind of hint at why probably not the best idea for Bruce to go after. Yeah, and I think you look at the situation and, again, you look at it kind of on paper, makes a lot of sense. He's a shot first winger. He's actually surprised he's never had 30 goals. He's come very close, and he's had a few seasons where he's had, like, 26 goals over 65 games. So he's he's gotten very close to that, and he is a good, solid player. But um, when you look at, I think, what the appeal for him is, as opposed to maybe weighing that with the actual production, I think it's a little bit, kind of a buyer beware there in that situation. And again, if you ask me which Vancouver guy is probably going to get traded, I'd probably say it's Besser. Um, I think Garland would be a perfect fit in terms of he's, I think, probably a more effective player at even strength five on five, and he's got a better contract. But, um, and also at this point, I don't think JT Miller is moving. I think he had another good game recently. I think afterwards, Bruce Boudreau was like, yeah, he's the the leader, one of the leaders of this team. Like we want to have him here. So I could see them keeping him. And if, Vancouver can't get it together next year and they fall off again, then you deal. He's still under contract for a year. So I don't think Miller is getting moved. Um, so if Besser's the, the first guy that prioritize, you know, yeah, it makes sense because you're probably moving to brusque or at least they want to, and you need to find someone to slot in there on that top line. But I think for Besser, I guess we can look probably first at the actual production. I think he's got, 33 points uh, on the year. Not too bad. However, out of those 33 points, 13 of them were at a five on five play. And this is granted a few days ago. So he might've had a game or two since then, but 33, 34 at this point. So it's not not that much, not, not drastic, but out of those 33 points, 13 of them came at five on five play, which is not great. Uh, If you looked at, uh, at the time I I posted this story on Monday, uh, 13, five and five points would I think be 11th on the Bruins right now, which is not great. That's good. Uh, guys like Debr- I think DeBrusque has 19 five on five points, Craig Smith has 18. Um, Matt Grizzly has more five on five points. Uh, Brandon Carlo has 10, which you having three more than them is not great. <laughs> and I believe Curtis Lazar has 12. So, Brock Besser, top six forward, uh, has one more five on five point than Curtis Lazar. Again, you could make the argument that. You put Besser with Bergeron and Martian, it probably evens out. He'll get a spike in production. True, but he's also he's been a five on a, a top six guy for Vancouver for a couple of years now, and it's not like he's had, yeah. you know, random guys up there. Whether it's Miller, Pedersen, all those guys, they've got talent on that on that Vancouver team. Um, so the five on five productions pretty wor- uh, you know worrisome in terms of that. But then I think you have to look at that contract and the cap flexibility and what have you, because we've talked about it before with Jake DeBrusque, why some teams are probably hesitant to trade for him, even though his baseline production's there. It's that contract, whether it's the $4.4 million qualifying offer or just the headache of acquiring this guy with, you know, up and down production and having to work on whatever that new contract is. And Brock Besser's kind of in the same boat, if not, the fact that it's worse because of his contract, because I mean, he's making 5.8 million this year. So he's due for a raise anyway, as an RFA. And if you want to send him a qualifying offer, his qualifying offer is seven, $7.5 million, which uh, if you're the Bruins and I don't think, you know, another top six wing is the only move you want to make both this year and in the years ahead, you don't want Brock Besser. Who's a, a guy who gets a lot of his points off the power play to be taking up seven and a half million in cap space. And again, Bruins don't have to sign them to that. Like 
you'd ideally want to work on a long-term contract so he doesn't just settle for a one-year deal. But it's still going to be, what, six, six and a half million is what he's going to hold on to. So I think for the Bruins, whether it's, you know, trying to acquire a guy like Garland who, uh, you know, his five and five points, 28, which would be second on the Bruins. He's under contract through 2026 at 4.8. So a lot more manageable there. Or even just any other winger who's out there who is a guy that can give you 20 goals, 40 points, anyone like that, I think could slot in well with Martian and Bergeron. So as much as Besser projects as a, a very intriguing player, a guy that has 30 goal potential, I think when you look at that contract, plus kind of the, you know, delving deeper into those stats, I think it's best probably to move on and not focus on a guy like that. To me, the contract's the biggest thing. Again, $7.5 yeah. million for someone who has a really tough time uh, producing offensively at five on five. Again, he's, he's right now he's, he's, uh, playing with Tanner Pearson and uh, JT Miller up in Vancouver, which is that's a very good line to be on. You should be producing um, at five on five. And it kind of makes you think, you know, you would replace DeBrusque with Besser, who is maybe a little bit better than DeBrusque, but still very inconsistent. And on top of that is making a lot more money. So, again, to me, again, I, I, I kind of go back to what you said in the sense that I don't think Besser – really makes a lot of sense just given all those things. Again, I know he's kind of good shot and he's, as you said, 30 goal potential, but to me, it's just a little bit better than DeBrusque. I think you need a lot better than DeBrusque or someone like a Connor Garland. Um, and speaking of d- different guys that they might be in on, uh, J- Jacob Chikrin, which has been back. <laughs> back. It's like, it's cycle. It comes back. It comes, you know, goes in and out. Um, but it's funny because as we've said a few times now, um, over the, since this road trip happened, that things have changed for the Bruins in a sense. You know, it feels like they could get by with the centers they have, um, and they might need a winger. But they also would love, they would be so improved with a top four defenseman. And, and, and Chikrin is a legit top four defenseman, but it feels like the price is still so high for that dude. Because again, he's under contract for so long at a good price. Yeah, no, and I think it's one of those things where I don't think Arizona, even though it seems like they've got so many suitors, I think they're not going to, you know, the pressure's not there for them to sell him this year if they think the offers that they're getting aren't fitting what they're looking to get from a guy who, again, as you said, it's going to be worth a lot. He's 23, top four guy, eats a ton of minutes. And from the Bruins, you know, long-term goals, a guy like Chickren does make plenty of sense, right? I mean, if you're top four, for the next three, four years at a minimum is McAvoy, Chikorin, Grizzly, Kahlo. You're doing pretty well. Like you've got a pretty, pretty good, good decor to build <laughs> off of. So it makes plenty of sense in that regard. And even though Chikorin's numbers maybe have dropped a little bit, granted he's on a bad Arizona team, but he's still a guy they're that on, eats. They're on a heater of late. That is true. Yeah, they're scoring an absurd amount of goals. So even a guy like Schmaltz, who I think would be like a good fit for like if you're acquiring a guy for cheap, Ain't going to be cheap anymore. He's got like 13 points in two games. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like you have to give a little bit more to get him now. But uh, you look at Chickren and what he brings, especially like with that shot that he has, like it's a, it's definitely something that adds a different dynamic even offensively to this team. Um, but you just look at what the cost is for these guys. And when we were like discussing Chickren like way back, one of the issues I think I had with it was, all right, I think you have to give up Swayman for it. And I think that's a non-starter for the Bruins. So if you're in a situation like that, and obviously Swayman's off the board now, like literally Swayman's your number one guy, Rask is retired. So you don't have that 
decision to make anymore. It's kind of out of your hands. You've got Swayman in net. He's your number one. Um, so what, you know, do you have an offer that's going to outbid a team like Florida? Like, and if it is, it's what a first round pick, maybe another pick, like probably one of Lori, like, I mean, definitely one of Lori, like sell, like they're going to absolutely, get I would one think of those Lori just because, just because he's, it's a left shot defenseman. Yeah. Like anything like that, like, and I think the bigger issue there is one, you have to, it's, you're allocating all of your assets to one player, which if you think Chickering is the missing piece, then maybe it's worth it. But then you're out of the running for, you know, a guy like Hurdle or a guy like another top six guy, unless like you want to give up future first down the road to acquire maybe another guy like that, which maybe is the case. But it's, you're putting kind of more or less all your eggs in one basket. If it's a guy like Chickering, who I think for the Bruins, it just comes down to whether or not you think he's kind of that missing piece on that roster. And again, as I said, he's a foundational piece for this team going forward. If you acquire him, it's just whether or not it's worth doing that or improving all the other areas of your roster, which are still vital. Like, you know, I don't think Hurdle will cost nearly as much because he's a rental, but you look at where his importance is. Yeah, they could definitely use a 2C, especially in the years ahead. So it's it's a tough balancing act. And I, I think for me, even though the Bruins are still kicking the tires, I just don't see how they have the assets to outbid a team like, like I, I feel like Florida makes so much sense in terms of the, their win now window. They've got night that they can move if they, you know, if they so please, because they signed Bobrovsky the same year, which made no sense in the first place, I guess <laughs> now it makes sense, but they got the last um, laugh. Yeah, exactly. So it's a complicated situation, but I still just don't think they have the means to pry him out of Arizona, at least in, unless Armstrong has a, a lower asking price as we get closer to the deadline. Can you imagine a Florida defensive core of Chikrin, Ekblad, Uyghur, um missing anybody? Uh, but like I mean, just those, those are, three. Those I mean, are the big guns. Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> like that's you're already ridiculous. good. Yeah. And so I, again, I, 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 it's it's funny though because I, as you were talking, I was thinking about this with with uh, with Lowry. If you had to give up Lowry to get um, Chikrin, because I think Swayman's a non-starter, right? Yeah. You can't deal Swayman at this point. He's off the table. But if it was Lowry, right? If you really, if it came down to we, if, if the Coyotes said we want Lowry and you know we want a package centered around Mason Lowry, Chikrin's your top four left shot defenseman now for years, right? Yeah. Like you, you have him. He's going to impact you for a while. Yeah. You're kind of hoping Lowry becomes a Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. Maybe in that sense, that's when you do say, hey, you know what? We're going to part with this guy for someone who's also young. And really talented and has a really high ceiling in a guy like Chikrin. So maybe that's the move. Maybe that's the move. Maybe you could do that. Just given that, again, you're you're trading a, uh, a future potential uh, left shot stud defenseman for a current uh, and young, still very young. How old is Chikrin? Is he 23, 24? 23. 23. 23. He's my age, which is ridiculous. Um, he's <laughs> – throw me out there. Yes. Um, but I do think, again, like – then, in that sense, trading Lowry for him would make sense. Um, but we're talking about things that really make sense. We're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Right, you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Simply put, they're the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, with the game stats. Stats. Speaking of stats, I texted you about this yesterday. I love this. Uh, you did a great TikTok about a day in the life of your uh, being a Bruins beat reporter. First of all, I love someone commented. I thought that so that the person said I thought they beat a reporter. I thought the Bruins like, yes. beat up a reporter. There was <laughs> like one, that was terrific. There was like one time I wrote something where uh, someone I think commented. I think it was like what I do in a, a day in terms of like the actual content I put out that's beyond podcasting and tweets. And I had like, well, I do like a gamer. And they're like, what the, what the fuck's a gamer? I'm like, a, a game story. Like, it's, you know, there's some things like that that I realized probably doesn't. So as soon as I had Beat Reporter, I'm like, maybe I should just have, like, writer or something like that. It's got to, it's too, many, too much terminology. <laughs> they're, being, they're like, Charlie McAvoy's upstairs just, like, beating yes. the crap out of you in the, yes. on the ninth floor. Uh, and then someone also said, that accent is so annoying. And then someone replied, yeah, it's so I mean, fake. I, it, I mean, it is annoying. I can admit that. <laughs> no, but. it's not. No, it's not. That is not true. And what's also very not true is it's not fake. That was my favorite. I almost replied to it, and then I was like, "I'm not getting in a TikTok like." Yeah, please spat. don't. Please like, don't fight just, with like a. Uh, I'm uh, not doing that. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's never worth it. No. Whether it's Twitter, TikTok, I did anything once, like that. I did it once on an Instagram post, and I just was like, "Ah, this feels like it feels wrong." What no one, ever, no one ever looks good. I'm preying on the stupid. Um, yes. But yes, no, great TikTok. Uh, make sure to go follow you over there um, on TikTok. Uh, but uh, it's funny. We we're, we're discussing guys. The Bruins are like you know, could work with, should get. There's one guy, though, who the Bruins have actually been rumored to be really, like, in on, and that's Jacob Middleton, defenseman of the San Jose Sharks. Six foot three, left shot defenseman, eight points in, I think, 37 games this year. He is a plus two, uh, so that's something for a San Jose Sharks team that is, you know, middle of the pack and not great. Um, He's taking out my man Mario Ferraro's playing time, though, so that's not great. You know, can't have that happen. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, this kind of feels like a guy they would be in on. This feels kind of like a Mike Riley move. I know they're very different types of defensemen, but it's a very off-the-board kind of defenseman, right? Where it's not someone who everyone's focused on. It's someone who, off the radar, but probably could come in and make like a legitimate impact. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we've talked about. This has probably shifted a little bit now where maybe 2C isn't as much of a priority. I still think if you – know, I think we'll talk about Hurdle in a little bit, but if he's out there, you still go after him. But let's say if the Bruins opt not acquire a true top four guy like a Chikrin or a, a Lindholm or something like that, I think you know we've talked about it before. The most logical thing to do is just beef up your depth further down on the in the lineup and someone that's a little bit of a different dynamics. You know, it's – big bodied guy that makes it tough to get inside. Like the guys whose value definitely comes out, I think a little bit more in the uh, postseason. And uh, I think Middleton makes plenty of sense in that regard. You know, it's like what we've talked about with uh, like Calvin DeHaan or Justin Braun as someone who's like, you know, maybe you know, Scott you know, Mayfield to, even. Yeah, exactly. Someone who, especially like Braun, who's like what, 35, like, you know what you're getting with him. He's just a simple defender, but you're also not mortgaging 
your future assets for him. So we'll see how much Middleton be worth. I mean, he's still young, but it's only his like kind of first real season in the NHL. So I don't know how much he's exactly going to cost, but if he's like your third pairing guy, it's pretty good. I mean, he's chipped in well, he's played with like a, uh, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns quite a bit this season. Um, part of that PK, which I think is second in the league. Um, so, I mean, there's, va- yeah, there's value there for a player like that. I think the only issue is he's a left shot guy. So it's, you know, if you acquire Jacob Chickering, you make room. Like, obviously, that makes sense, right? <laughs> but for middle, you know, for Middleton, is it, you know, can he play on the right side? I mean, if you've got like a third pairing of Fulbert and Middleton as like just like two big guys down there, especially once you the game translates to the playoffs, could work. It's just whether or not those pieces fit, whether you're not getting, you're maximizing your value by, you know, putting him on his weak side and seeing how that works out. So, um, He's definitely an intriguing piece. And if the Bruins, you know, come out of this without Chikrin or, or Lindholm, but they, you know, upgrade that top six and add a guy like Middleton to shore up that depth, even if, you know, he's a guy that cycles in and out, just having that depth there on, on defense could go a long way. So would not be surprised at all if they make a play for him. Cause I think he's a guy who, even though it's, you don't want to say he's a flash in the pan cause it's his first year, but you look at his numbers too. This so many times you look at these kind of stay at home guys or guys who are, brought in for kind of that grit and you look at their like underlying numbers and you're like, okay. Mm. Like he's Not pretty good. good. Like he's been solid in his own zone. Like a Derek uh, Corbett. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have one of those situations where it seems like Milton's kind of putting it all together this year. So if he's even just like a depth piece to add would definitely help your team when you get to the playoffs. See, the one thing is though, I, I agree. I think it'd be good to add, but you look at the left side on D and there's so many guys on that side and they're all in the same area, right? No one, aside from Grizzlick, no one's really standing out. I know Riley's worked fairly well with McAvoy. I know the numbers are nowhere near what they are with Grizzlick and McAvoy, but still, like, well enough. You also have Forbert. When back in Einan returns, you have him. Um, John Moore is, like, somewhere. Uh, you know, you have these options on the left side, and it feels like if you just add to it, you're just kind of, like, adding just more potential people that are, that are sitting out. It feels like the finding a Jacob Middleton on the right side would be more of like the play. Um, but again, there's time. You never know what's going to happen with that. Clifton, by the way, uh, has quietly been fairly solid the past bunch of weeks. Like he's been pretty stable back there again. And you know, nothing crazy, nothing really bad. I don't know if you can trust him in the you know long term or anything like that, but if, if that's the worst case scenario, not terrible, right? I mean, he's been fine. He's stable enough. Um, but a team that might have what you're looking for on D is the Anaheim Ducks, who have kind of now figured out, like, hey, we were good for a bit. It was fun, but we're looking to probably sell off our UFAs. Uh, and their UFAs are Ricard Raquel, longtime Bruin uh, rumor, Link Island to the Bruins. It's been forever. It's been since, like, 2018. Um, Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson. Again, you got a, a, a UFA forward, a left defenseman, and a right defenseman in there. Um Feels like the one you could maybe come away with two guys, right? Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where, uh, let's say it's DeBrus going back, who would actually maybe make sense for the Ducks if you're looking at all right, we've got this good young core, we're trying to sell off these pieces, keep f- cap flexibility. Like a guy like DeBrusque, if you want to sign him, offers value there in terms of just having him long term. Um, if you're able to sign him to a contract, he's out west, he's in Cali seems like it would work out for everyone in that regard. So oh, yeah. that could be, that could be a situation. Lots where I see, 
Yes, exactly. The most important thing, a lot of pocket. Um, but I think you look at DeBrusque as being a potential piece there for Anaheim. And I think for the Bruins, it'd be dependent on whether or not you get a guy like Manson or a guy like Raquel to maybe sign long-term. Cause I don't think you want to trade for a guy that's a rental and you look at where those pieces fit makes a lot of sense, right? Like Raquel, put him with Martian and Bergeron. I know he's had injuries in the past, but he's also a guy that's had two 30 goal seasons. Uh, even if he's uh, a guy that slots in there on that top line, as we've said numerous times on this podcast, you put most people with Martian and Bergeron, they're probably going to be pretty good. So Bergeron. I'm sure, I'm sure Ricard Raquel would be more than happy there. And again, that allows you to balance out the rest of your lineup, whether that's uh, keeping Smith, especially on that third line. And then Manson's a guy that's, Interesting. Like his contract right now, you might have to have Anaheim eat some money, which means you've got a situation where you've got to, um, you know, maybe give them, you know, sweeten the pot more or less to have them eat some money. Cause I think he's, his cap's like four, four and a half. But if you look at what he brings in terms of like solidifying that third, you know, that third pairing right side, like you're good to go there. Like he's not maybe the most physically intimidating guy, but he's a guy that has logged heavy minutes, knows how to pull Like, he, He's a solid piece there, especially if it's a third pairing spot. So uh, that could be a definitely a situation I see where it's like DeBrusque and who knows, maybe it's a first and you get one of those guys locked up long term. Like that could be a situation where it improves the team. So obviously Anaheim's under new management, but they've traded plenty of times in the past. Um, so I could definitely see that being a situation and an actual logical spot for DeBrusque, especially. Yeah, I mean, again, Raquel and Manson, as you said, would fit perfectly with this team where it's going. Like, again, I, Lindholm's kind of a rental, but the other two, I mean, again, like, you shore up the right side on D, third pairing, and then you also have, I mean, again, McAvoy, Carlo, Manson is your right side. That's pretty damn good. Yes. Um, and then you can get Raquel up with guys. I mean, remember when Raquel used to be with, like, Getzloff? Oh, yeah. Stuff? I mean, again, like, it worked. I, like, Raquel would be terrific with Martian and Bergeron, the Bruins just start funneling first round picks to the ducks every few years, you know, for their like sell off pieces at Kasha, Nick Ritchie. By the way, did you see that Nick Ritchie video he did with the, uh, the coyotes? Of course. Uh, it was electric. Yeah. It's his, his uh, guilty pleasure is walk- watching the Rocky movies. That's uh, real guilty pleasure. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guy lives on the edge. Yes. And he's like, I, I have no superstitions, but I have to take a nap. And I was like, that's the most Nick Ritchie shit. I've yes. Ever heard. Yes. Uh, it has to, never has change. to take a nap. Never change. No, I hope he never changes. One of them needs to become a center. So then you have a line of like Louis Erickson, Nick Ritchie, Phil Kessel. Petrov McGuire would, the back of his head would blow off. I assume, um, I mean, I assume Petrov McGuire is like waiting in line for tickets for Saturday's game anyway. Like yeah. He's definitely going to be there. Yeah. Oh, 100%. has to be. It's such a re. I hope there's going to be so many Bruins tribute videos. Kessel, Ritchie, Erickson. Louis, yeah. Yeah. There should be, be so great. many. I can't wait. Um, but anyways, uh, the, the, the best fit, though, for the Bruins at the deadline, if, if you had the most ideal fit, Chikrin is like two, but number one is really Tomas Hurdle. And it feels like he is the guy, and he's getting circled back again because the, the Sharks are committed to winning. <laughs> and they want to re-sign him, but they have to know soon. Like, again, this is not like they would like to get something for him if he's not going to re-sign. Um, and you could get a lot for Tomas Hurdle. You get a lot. And it's going to be coming around soon. And I, I saw an interesting thing about Hurdle because the Athletic did a thing on it. Um, and they were mentioning how if, if the Bruins didn't want to give up a first for Hurdle, which would be really difficult to imagine not giving up a first. But if they yeah. did, they didn't want to give up a first, 
you they said they mentioned a trade package of being either one of Stadnika or Beecher, DeBrusque, and a draft pick or two. So like maybe two second round picks or a second and a third or something like that. If that was the deal, if the deal was Stadnika, DeBrusque, yes, yes, <laughs> I would do that yesterday. Yes, I would drive them to the airport. I would fi- facilitate it myself. Which is why I don't think that's going to be the, 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 the package because there's so many teams who can offer so much more yeah. um, for Hurdle. But when you look at just the, the fit, the fit Tomas Hurdle would be pretty damn good. Yeah, I still think it's one of those things where, yeah, I, I know Eric Hall is playing great right now. And if they don't get another 2C and they get to the playoffs and Hall is playing great, which he's got also two great wingers and compliment to Hall himself that he's catered his game to really know when to kind of like give the puck up. And when he's got these two dynamic guys on his wing, it's worked very well. So, um, you know, it's not to say that they're going to completely implode if they don't shore up that two C, but I just look, you know, ahead to this team and whether it's what we talked about with Chickering, where it's a guy that you need for the uh, foundational piece going forward, you need a legit two C or a one C in the coming years. And if Bergeron's back next year and you've got hurdle at two C for foreseeable future, you're ready to not, I don't say run it back. because we don't know what this team's going to do, but they're going to be right there in the mix again. If they have a guy with hurdle there. Yeah. Like they'll be right there. And if Bergeron does retire, you at the very least have a two, uh, a one C ready to roll and hurdle who's still in the prime of his career. So, um, Again, I think it's going to be a first and more. I don't know if like it's necessarily going to be like a Lori Lysel uh, that will take for a rental like like him. You'd hope not, even though we'll see what the bidding war would be if uh, San Jose is not able to sign him. But if he's available, which I assume we'll probably find out by some point probably early next week, if they can't get him to sign or commit, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what happens. Because, I mean, I I... I if he's available and he falls, you know, through your fingers, it's it's going to be a tough hit because I think you just desperately need a legit guy down the middle. And there's other guys you could fall back on, like Andrew Cop or what have you. But if you're looking for a legit top six guy, you don't have to worry about in the coming years. Hurdle makes so much sense, and he's such a good 200 foot player. And again, you think of like Hall, Hurdle, Pasternak this year or next year if you did Marchand, Hurdle, and Pasternak or smith or whomever on that right side mm-hmm. like just fits like that fits that's like as on d it's different you can kind of plug in any top four left shot defenseman and, and they'll work right but with with forwards it's a bit different just given how they play systems and stuff like that but god tom Hurdle would fit great that would be such a good fit um on that top uh on that top line or the second line so we'll see with that i think that's going to be a very developing thing i guarantee yes. you we're going to hear the bruins are in on him a bunch um, you hope it's again, you hope it's like not a Mark Stone situation where the, the, the package ends up not being that big of a deal. Um, and you could have done it. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And again, you know, if you have to give up Sadika or Beecher, do it, <laughs> do it. I have no issue with that. I don't think anyone has any issue with that. And again, even if Sadika and Beecher turned into amazing players, it's like, well, they didn't look like amazing players, uh, when they were in the system. Um, lastly on today's episode, the story of the day. This is the only concrete news we're discussing today. Um, I woke up this morning and was shocked to see that the Philadelphia Flyers re-signed Rasmus uh, inked Ristolainen to an extension. Five years, $5.1 million annually. Not total, but annually. 
And I think that might actually be the worst contract in the league now. Potentially. Just from a value perspective. Terrible. It's, you know, for as much as I think Bruins fans rip their hair out when you look at, like, personnel decisions or the future of this team, it probably does them maybe add some reassurance that there's so many teams that are just, I don't know where they're steering the ship, except, like, into an iceberg. Like, I don't know what. Straight Titanic. I don't know what the hell they're thinking of with a, a guy like that who, again, you want to commit to being more physical, and he's physical, which means he also takes a lot of penalties. But, and again, like, there's, you see so much discourse over Ristolainen and over, like, well, the analytics don't say everything. Whatever. You can make that case, and I think it's important to add context for any player uh, in terms of what their underlying stats are. But have you watched him play? Because, oh, my God, he ain't that good. <laughs> the He's analytics prove the, the eye test in this Yes, game. yeah. So uh, the fact that they're committing to him, they already overpaid for him last year when they gave up a first-round pick to bring him on board for a team that was going nowhere, and now you're just doubling down. Like, at some point, it's easy just to, like, bite the bullet and be like, yeah, no, it didn't work. Move on. Like, <laughs> it's better just to do that because – the fact that now I think I saw rumors they were looking at moving Travis Sanheim, who is a very good left shot defenseman, uh, in plays of Ristolainen. I got nothing. I got nothing. They, they, Philly's gonna Philly. Yeah. The Philly is gonna Philly. And I was I said this on Twitter. Like they are, they might be the most mediocre hockey team of my lifetime. Uh, as a t- again, they went to the Cup once. They uh, have been really bad. They've missed expectations because they keep just doing shitty personnel moves and this is it like this is as dumb as it gets and you wonder like all these teams have analytics departments right and the analytics again these teams that these teams have are not that much different than jay fresh or evolving hockey or dom like they're they're all kind of similar if everyone's showing one percent publicly or one percent like war publicly it is probably showing that in the front office of the philadelphia flyers I'm just curious what they saw that said, well, we want to commit to him for five years at 5.1. Like that to me is what's the wildest part. Again, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I I don't get it. And I don't know if they've even, I don't know if the Flyers have spoken today about it. I don't know if they held a press conference about it. I haven't seen anything said about it, but like what in the world? If I'm Claude Giroux, I want out, I want to be in Colorado by tomorrow morning because that is heinous. So yeah, wild that that happened. I, I, I didn't, like, again, terrible defensive Just remember, team. Bruins I, fans, it could always be worse. It could always be worse. And that's the funny part is, like, you know, Coyle and, and John Moore and even this Brandon Carlo deal is not looking so hot. But, like, my God, that is as bad as it gets. At least the deals that the Bruins handed out, like Coyle and uh, even if you, if you wanted to put Carlo in that boat, too, just because he's having kind of an off year. They all kind of deserved it at the time. Like, I know Coyle, they kind of projected a bit more, but Coyle was a valuable member of that 2019 team and looked to leg- be a guy who could potentially be a top six uh, center. Ristolainen just stinks. Like, there's nothing. He's just not good. Like, he's, not he's good. just not good. Ridiculous. And again, when he does has a hot, when he has a hot hit, it's going to be like taking a penalty. Like, that's every time. Yes. That's all. Why do you think the Bruins, like, have had Buffalo's number as opposed to, as along with the fact that they're not a good team, but they score a bunch of power play goals because you just were still lining was in the box. So, like, they're not a good team. Like, he's not a good player. Drives Somehow, I always, whenever I'm doing NCAA.com work, I'll always have my Xbox is right next to me. So I'll always have, like, an ESPN Plus hockey game on, whatever game's on. And it, the Flyers are, like, always a, 
on for some reason whenever I need to watch something. And I, I do watch a fair amount of the Flyers, and I can confirm Ristolainen is absolutely garbage. So one of those things that uh, hilarious to us, I feel Flyers fans, but it does just kind of stink all around. Um, what a just what what a crazy move by Chuck Fletcher. Uh, anyways, Connor, what can the people look forward to over at uh, Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of features that are finally dropping the next couple of days. Uh, had a few uh, great conversations with Jeremy Swim and Alina's Olmark for a couple of uh, longer term stories that we're excited to uh, release. So those should be out hopefully by this weekend. You can find all that over at uh, bostonsportsjournal.com. So you can subscribe over at BSJ, please. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that exclusive stuff. Connor got uh, Olmark and Swayman to wrestle. It was just, you know, to fight for this, literally it's a beat, fight. It's a beat, it's a beat reporter. Yeah, that's what the job other up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they beat you up. So yes, it was like, it was, yes. you know, they, they had to do what they had to do. Of course. Um, anyways, make sure to go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Fuck the Bear Listeners. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah.